Week number three of purpose-driven life. I, I have never been more excited about anything because I get reports every week and even see it in my small groups of the growth that is happening in people's life, of getting connected, people that are going through the devotional every day. We are on uh, day 13 or 14, depending on when you started. I would encourage you, if you're not reading this every day, uh, Please do. Uh, it, it'll change your life. It is powerful. We have, we have a guy in our small group who's brilliant. He's like a theologian. He writes research papers about Judaism and culture and history in Israel. Week one, he said, you know what? I realize I've spent my life collecting information and facts, but I don't really know if I'm living out my purpose. And, and, you know, you know, cause it's really easy to look at this. Well, that's basic. That's for beginners. I don't need that in my life. I'm telling you, I am getting so much out of this book and out of the, the scripture memorization out of my small group. This is an incredible campaign that will grow us as a church. And so I encourage you to be a part of it with us. It is a life changing, uh, a program. And we are now on our very second purpose. If you know, Jesus in the great commandment, he said, this is the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second commandment is equal like of the same value as the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. In these two commandments, saying all of the law, what does he mean? Well, if you look at the 10 commandments, the first four commandments are all about love the Lord your God. The remaining six are all about loving your neighbor. And if you look at the series we're on, last week was the week of worship. If you read the daily devotionals, went to your small group, it was all about love the Lord your God. Today, we begin week uh, number three, which is the second purpose. You were formed for God's family. It is about loving our neighbor as ourselves. Last week, we talked about being formed for God's pleasure, worship. This week, we're talking about being formed for God's family. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hebrews 2 verse 10, I would encourage you on your worship pack, there is notes, scripture, fill in the blanks. There's a pen there for you. I would encourage you to follow along with us today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10, God is the one who made all things and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have many children to share his glory with. God wanted many children. The reason he created you is he wanted family. That's why God created us. He wanted to have a family. God wanted a family. He created you so that he could have many children to share his glory with. God wanted a family. That's why you're alive. That's why I'm alive is because God wanted a family and he wanted you to be a part of it. God, God had you in mind. Literally, if you study the Bible, God had you in mind billions of years ago. He was thinking about you. I mean, long before your grandparents ever met, God was thinking about you. He had you in mind, and he wanted you to be a part of his family. Ephesians 1.5 says it like this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. God didn't have to do this. God wanted to do this. Why? Because it gave him great pleasure. You know what brings God pleasure? Having you be a part of his family. See, we have, we have this warped idea. I know I've said it a couple weeks ago that God is this cosmic cop in the sky just waiting to strike us down every time we mess up. But that's not true. What I like to say, and you're going to get sick of me saying this, but I'm going to keep saying it, is God never wanted to be your religion. God wanted to be your dad. 
He never wanted to be your religion. He wanted to be your dad. God wanted family, and it brings him great pleasure when you're part of his family. That is our purpose in life. We talked about last week our purpose of worship, worshiping God. This week our purpose is family. 1 Peter 2.17 says it like this. Love your spiritual family. Love your spiritual family. Why? Because your spiritual family is going to outlast your physical family. You're going to be with your spiritual family for billions of years. You may or may not be with all of your physical family. And I pray passionately that all of your physical family will become part of your spiritual family. But our spiritual family is going to outlast our physical family. And God wants you to learn how to love them. Why? Because you're going to be around them for years. You're going to be around each other for billions and billions of years. We might as well use this time on earth to learn how to get along. God wants this for three reasons. One, because God is a God of love. God is a God of love. He doesn't just love. God is love. That is an attribute of who God is. Number two, God, like every parent, wants his kids to get along. How many of you parents want your kids to get along? God wants his kids to get along. And number three, God wants you to do this because you're practicing for eternity. You're going to be around each other for a long, long time. You might as well learn how to get along here. Let this be your practice run. Let this be your final dress rehearsal. Let this be, you know, training for all of eternity. And so my second purpose in life, if you're following in the blanks, is fellowship. That is the second purpose in life, fellowship. First purpose was worship. Second purpose you were created for is fellowship. And this word is often misunderstood. It's, you know, sometimes it can be a very shallow, a very brief, a very guarded word. You know, you show up at church, you see your buddy. Hey, Doug, how's it going? Good, Bill, how you doing? Good, good. How about them chargers? Yep. How about them chargers? Well, good fellowshipping with you. I'll see you next week. No, that is not fellowship. That is small talk. That is not at all what God is talking about. What is fellowship? Fellowship is this. Here's the definition of fellowship. Back to 1 Peter 2.17. Loving God's family. That's what real fellowship is. Loving God's family. 1 John 4.21 says it like this. The person who loves God must also love other believers. If you love God. You must also, you are commanded to love other believers. How? Well, the Bible describes how. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3 verse 14, it says it like this. I am writing these things to you now so you will know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church. See, the Bible is here to teach us how to be family. This book, in fact, is simply a story about a father trying to build a family. That's the essence of this book. There is a loving heavenly father that wants to build a family. And the church is that family. The family is the church. Understand this. Church is a family. The church is not a building. The church is not an organization. The church is not an institution or a social club. The church is a family. And many of us uh, misuse the word church. I do it. We say things like, I'm going to church today. You're not going to church today. The church is not something you can go to. The church is a family that you belong to. You do not go to church. You are the church. You go to a worship service. You go to an event. You go to an activity. But you cannot go to the church because you are the church. 
So understand, in God's family, there are different levels of fellowship, levels of loving God's family, and God wants you to grow through each one of them. And we're going to talk about the four levels of fellowship today. And why is this so important? Because you will never be all that God wants you to be without living out the purpose of fellowship. You will never truly be everything God wants you to be without family. You cannot become everything God wants you to be without other people. You can't. It's impossible. You need other people to fulfill your destiny for two reasons. One, you need people pouring into you. And two, there are people you are required to pour into. See, it's two-way. You may say, well, well, I've got it all together. Yeah, but there's somebody that needs you. And there's people that I need. So we need fellowship for two reasons, because there's people that need us and we need people. We will never be everything God wants us to be until we become family and understand fellowship. So level one, the first level of fellowship is membership. What is membership? Choosing to belong. This is the basic level of fellowship, membership, choosing to belong. Find a church family and get committed. Find a church, belong there, become a member, and get committed. And let me share something. We are not in competition with any church in our community. The only one we are competing with is hell. That's it. There are great, I have great friends that pastor in this community. Uh, I, I love Pastor Mark at North Coast Calvary and Pastor Jurgen at C3 and Pastor Jason at Daybreak, Pastor Bob at Horizon. Great pastors, great churches. We are not the only church in this community. Our desire for you is that you find a Bible-believing church, you get committed there, you become a member there, and you begin to grow because you will never be everything God wants you to be until you become a member and belong and get committed somewhere. It doesn't have to be here, but I challenge you, find somewhere that you can get committed to, that you can belong and that you can grow. And Ephesians 2.19 says, you are members of God's very own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You are members of God's family and you belong in a household. The Christian life is not just about believing. It is also about belonging. And if you do not belong, then I would have to question whether you really believe. Because belonging and believing go hand in hand. I hear people all the time say, well, I'm a Christian, but I just don't want to belong to any particular church. You know how foolish that is? That's like me saying, I really want to play in the NFL, but I don't want to belong to any particular team. I mean, how stupid is that? I'm not going to fulfill a dream of playing NFL football if I don't want to belong to any one of the teams. It doesn't happen that way. And I understand there, 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 there are broken churches out there. Let, let me just say it. If you come to this church for any period of time, I will give you an opportunity to be offended at me. At least one. I'm going to say something stupid that you'll have a chance to be offended at. Guess what? You'll find hypocrites here. You will find hypocrites in our church. We are not a perfect church, but you are not going to find a perfect church. So it's important that you just find somewhere that God calls you to, to get committed to and have a lot of grace because we're going to offend you from time to time. We're going to rub you the wrong way from time to time. That's what being a family is all about. I'm committed to growing as a pastor, but I'm not perfect. And I know that may break some of your bubble perception about me, but I'm just not perfect. I wish I was, I'm just not. So let's find a place because if you don't have a church family, the Bible says you're an orphan. I love our memory verse this week, Romans, Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 5. In Christ Jesus, we, though we were many, are now one 
body, and each member belongs to all the others. Look at that. Do you realize that you don't belong to yourself? You belong to everybody else in this room. Did you catch that? Each member belongs to all the others. That means people in this room have rights to you. Whether you like it or not, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to each other. That's what fellowship is all about. We have something to give each other. We have something to do with each other. That's what it's all about. You know, people all the time say, well, you know, I like Christ. I just don't like the church. That's like me saying, I like you, but I can't stand your wife. I mean, no, we're not going to be friends very long if that's my attitude in that relationship. Because not only is the church God's family, the Bible also says the church is Christ's body. So you cannot like Christ without liking his body, the church. How do you become a member of Coastline Church? Discover 101. Every first Sunday of the month, we have our Discover 101 class, which is a due diligence course for you to understand who we are as a church. We go through our DNA, our vision, how we spend money, our accountability, and what it takes to be a member. In fact, what I'm doing today and next week is we're canceling our regular scheduled 301 and 401 because we're on a week of fellowship this week. All of your devotional reading is about fellowship. The whole small group this week is about fellowship. So today at 1230, right after service, right over at the Family Center. I invite you to join us for 101. We are teaching 101 today, and we're going to do 101 again next week because we want to give you an opportunity. If you want to become a member today, if God speaks to you today, we want to give you an opportunity to know what that means, to know what it takes. So we have lunch totally. You don't need to worry about the beach today with the rain. Come join us for lunch. We've got lunch taken care of, child care taken care of, lunch for your children today everything. So join us right over there for 101 this week or next week. We want to go through what it means to be a member of Coastline Church. Now, what is the sign or the symbol of belonging? What is your, what is your, what is symbolic of belonging or being a member? Water baptism. Water baptism. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 says, this is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. What are we proclaiming? We're proclaiming that we now belong to the body of Christ. When we were baptized, each of us is now part of his resurrection body. Like it or not, you're part of the church. You're part of, you're part of the resurrection body. Romans 6 verse 3 says that's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered in the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is a proclamation of what God has done inside of your life. And there's the pastor talking about, you need to be baptized, you need to be baptized after service. A kid came up, he got confused, he says, Pastor, when can I go get advertised? <laughs> you know, I, th- I, think, I think the kid understands something that many of us don't know. That's what it means. Water baptism simply means, I am not ashamed to tell the world publicly that I serve and follow Jesus Christ. That is what I am all about. I serve Jesus Christ. You know what a great illustration for water baptism is? You know when you get married, when you say I do, what does your wife give you? What does your husband give you? They give you a ring. Now how many understand, this ring doesn't make you married. This ring doesn't, doesn't mean that you're married. This ring is, is simply a symbol that I am married. I am spoken for. This ring is symbolic of the commitment I made the day I got married when I said I do. That's what this ring means. That's what water baptism is. Water baptism is your wedding ring as a Christian. It is simply the symbol that I belong. 
I made the decision in my heart. So water baptism means I belong. I am committed. I'm not ashamed. And I want everybody to know. So what we're doing next Sunday afternoon, we're going to have a water baptism. I'm trying to get a portable hot tub here. If I can, after service, we're going to warm it up and we'll do baptisms right after service. But right after service today, we have a sign up table for water baptism. If you want to sign up to be water baptized, if, if you have never been water baptized as a, a under your own uh, under, under your own decision, not when you were a baby and couldn't control it, but if you have never been water baptized as a public profession of your faith, or you've recently come back to God, you've recently recommitted your life to God, you've recently you know gotten your life back on track, then I would encourage you to be rebaptized or rededicated through water baptism to say, listen, I'm back. I'm back, and I want the whole world to know that I am back serving Jesus. I'm here. So after service, if you've never been water baptized or you need to be re-water baptized, please sign up at the table. Next week, we're going to be baptizing people. It's going to be incredible to welcome people to the family. Let them make their public decision. Put on their wedding ring that says, listen, I'm part of the family of God. I'm part of the church. First level membership. Second level of fellowship is what we call friendship. What does real friendship mean? Learning to share. Learning to share. That's what friendship is all about. God is relational. God wants you to have friends, but you're not going to really have friends until you learn how to share. God does not want you to be alone and alive. God wants you to belong. Acts 2 verse 44 says, All the believers met together constantly. And shared everything with each other. Two things. You got to meet together. Why are we so passionate about small groups here? Because you really can't experience our church on the weekend. You experience our church in small groups. You got to meet together constantly. And share everything with each other. These two things have to happen to develop good friendships. But most people don't take the time to meet together constantly. They're so busy and they're so guarded that they don't make the time to fulfill the second purpose of your life, which is fellowship. And you cannot fellowship unless you learn how to meet together. what are, what are we learning how to share? The Bible says share. Well, the Bible's filled with things that we need to share. I want to go through three of them quickly with you today. First thing we learn how to share is our experiences. Our experiences. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, People learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. One of the things that you are responsible to share is your experiences. Because people learn from each other. How many of you ever heard the statement, it is wise to learn from experience? Let me give you a better one. It's wiser to learn from somebody else's experiences. (laughs) I'd rather learn from somebody else's mistakes than having to make them on my own. You know what I'm saying? That's what small groups are all about. That's what fellowship. That's why God wants you to be a part of the family. He wants you to be family because he wants you to learn from each other. Second thing we share is our homes. We share our homes. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, open your homes to each other. Open your homes to each other. That's biblical. I want to just stop for a moment, and I want to thank all of you that have opened your home to host a small group this semester. You, you, are, you, you are following 1 Peter 4, 9, those of you that have opened your home this semester to, to, to be a part of a small group. That's incredible. And why is this so important? Because you cannot fellowship in a crowd. Let me explain something. You cannot fellowship at our church on Sunday. You don't fellowship here on a weekend service. You can't do it. It doesn't work that way. 
You cannot fellowship in a crowd. Fellowship happens in homes. Fellowship happens in small groups. That's why we are so passionate about small groups. Because I mean, on Sunday, you can wear a mask pretty easily. You can show up, how you doing, man? I'm great, everything's wonderful, but your marriage is falling apart at home, your kids are on drugs, your whole life is falling apart, but on Sunday, you can hide it. How many know it gets a little bit harder to hide that when you're in a small group? When you're doing life with other believers, when you're in people's homes and you're, you're doing New Testament Christianity, which is small groups. So let me say it like this. You have not attended Coastline Church until you've gone to a small group. You haven't been a part of our church until you've gone to our small group. Our weekend service is great. It's wonderful. It's an encouragement. But you haven't experienced our church why? Because church equals family. Church means family. You have not experienced Coastline Church until you've gone to a small group. Because the weekend, you know, is guarded. And you know what one of the biggest factors of, of our society being so disconnected today? I was reading a sociology study about why people in America today are so lonely and so broken and so disconnected. You know what the culprit is? Automatic garage doors. That's what sociologists have discovered. Automatic garage doors have killed our society. You know, because before, you know, garages were detached and you had to kind of pull up and then you had to sprint from your car to your house to not be seen by your neighbor. And you had that like 30 second sprint where your neighbors say, hey, how's it going? And then boom, you were caught and you had to go talk and you had to go get to know your neighbors. Now you go home and you never have to talk to your neighbors. See, we weren't created to live that way. God created us. God designed us for fellowship, to be a part of a family, to belong, to open our homes to one another, to do life together. That's where real church happens. And then the last thing I want to share today about what we should share is our problems. Our problems. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, share each other's burdens. Share each other's burdens. Now, now let me explain. The Bible does not say fix each other's problems. We can't fix everyone's problems. The, the, the goal of small groups is not to fix everybody. Some of you have got serious problems. We can't fix it in one small group. But we're there to share each other's burdens. I don't know about uh, uh, the, the rest of the men, excuse me, the men in the church, but you know, I, I have a bad habit and I'm trying to break. Uh, it's, it's when my wife wants me to share her burden, I, I tend to want to fix her burden. Am I the only guy that does that? You know, she comes to you with the problem. You're like, boom, this is how you solve it. This is how you fix it. Give me the next one. And how many know that doesn't make a good marriage? You know, sometimes she doesn't want you to fix the problem. She just wants somebody to share it with, to be a listening ear and to be a support. And that's what small groups are all about. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. Let us never give up the habit of meeting together. Let me say it like this, Coastline Church, let us never forget the habit of small groups. Let us never stop the habit of small groups. Let small groups become the DNA, the culture, the heartbeat of our church, because that's where real New Testament Christianity uh, is all a part of. And, and let me just say, for those of you that are a little afraid of small groups, there's some weird small groups out there. I get it. You know, you're going to go to a small group where you're going to be sitting there the whole time. I cannot wait to get to my car and get out of this place, and I'm never coming back. We're all different. I get it. So I want to give you permission right now to test drive small groups. You don't have to marry the first small group you go to. 
If you don't like the first small group you go to, go check another one out. You will find one that you connect to. You will find one that you can belong to. You will find one of people that, that you get along with. We're, we may not get along with it. You know, that's, that's what it's about. So feel free to test drive small groups. You didn't marry the first girl you dated. You didn't buy the first home you looked at. You know, most of you looked around a little bit. So feel free to look around until you find the right small group for you. Level one was membership. Level two was friendship. Level three, partnership. Partnership. What does that mean? Doing my part. Doing my part. First Corinthians 3, 9. We are partners working together for God. We are partners working together for God. That means none of you are called to sit in the bleachers and watch. You are called to be a partner in this thing called Christianity, building the kingdom of God. We are partners working together for a mission. The family of God needs you. And I know I've outlawed using the word need with our staff and our church leaders because we don't have any needs as a church. Our God supplies all of our needs. We don't have needs. If we don't have people that want to do it, then we just get rid of it and we shouldn't be doing it in the first place. But you've got to understand the family of God needs you. The family of God needs you. There is a purpose. There is a calling. There is a destiny. There is an assignment that only you can fulfill. Only you can fulfill it. And let me explain how serious this is. Your assignment, your destiny, whether or not you live out these five purposes in your life means the difference between heaven and hell for somebody. That's on your shoulders whether you like it or not. That's the weight of this thing. Your life means the difference between heaven or hell for somebody. Because I can't reach them. It's going to take me, everything inside of me, to fulfill the purpose God's given me. To fulfill the call God's given me. Which means I've got nothing left over to do what you didn't do. If you slack off, it's not going to get done. Period. It's not going to get done. Only you can do it. God created you for it. See, God didn't create a purpose for you to keep you busy. God created you to fulfill a purpose. So if you don't fulfill the purpose, it doesn't get done. That's how serious this is. And I know that's heavy this morning, but you got to understand what your purpose means. You've got a part to do. You know, when I see these uh, dream team uh, uh, servants down in Coastline Kids and you see somebody holding a crying baby and it feels like it's exhausting and this, this baby's on their nerves and crying. And you know, I always want to remind them, listen, do you, do you realize what you're doing right now? Yeah, I'm holding a crying baby. No, you're not. You're giving a young mom an opportunity to sit and worship and hear the gospel. She may not even be saved. And you're giving her a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and respond and change her life and change her family because you're holding that crying baby. What you're doing with that crying baby has eternal significance. There is no small job around here. Everything we do on the dream team is eternally important. Everything we do, from stuffing the worship pack so that people can follow along in the service, everything we do around here has significance. There is no small dream team opportunity here. There is a part for everyone too. So we want to encourage you, find a place on the dream team, whether it's the Christmas tree lot or Operation Christmas Child or First Impressions or the parking lot. You were created to do your part. You were created for partnership. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. 
You have your own special work. It helps the other parts grow. Did you catch that? When you do your own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And we do it for Jesus. When you've done it for the least of them, you've done it for him. You're not doing it because you you have to. You're doing it because you get to. See, we're not building a half. You don't have to do anything around here. You don't have to give. You don't have to serve. You don't have to do anything in our church. You get to. You get to. If, if, If you have to, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. See, we get to serve. We get to give. We get to surrender our life for the purposes of the kingdom. That's what it's all about. Now, let's talk about the, the, the last and the highest level as we close. Level four, kinship. Kinship. What is kinship? Kinship means my closest family. The people that are closest to me. The people I have kindred spirit with. You know, when there's an accident, what do they do? They say, Let, we have to notify the, the, the next of kin. What does that mean? We want to find out who matters to this person most. Who's going to want to know that they've been in an accident? Who's the person that's going to be most concerned? That is the next of kin, the person that matters to you most. So what does kinship mean? It means loving believers like family. Loving other believers like family. Making your spiritual family as important as your physical family. Acts 2, verse 42, they were like family to each other. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to each other like a loving family. God is saying other Christians need to be as important to you as your own children, as your spouse, as as your brothers and sisters. Other Christians need to be important to you as your very own family. You know, we all know John 3.16, but, but many of us don't have 1 John 3.16 memorized, and we should memorize 1 John 3.16 just as much. 1 John 3.16 says we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. That's love. Jesus Christ went to a cross for you, and it says, so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. Now, let me explain something about this passage of Scripture. When John wrote this, he wasn't being metaphorical, he was being literal. He was being literal. Because when this passage of Scripture was written, Christians were being tortured, they were being sawn into, they were being fed to lions, they were being thrown in pots of boiling oil. When he wrote this, he meant it. Because Christians literally had to lay down their life for their brothers and sisters. Literally have to give their body to the flames, to the lions, to the torture for each other. See, he wasn't joking around when he wrote this. He meant literally lay down your life the same way Christ laid down his life for us for each other. So practically, what does this mean to us today? It means standing with other Christians during their deepest, darkest hour and moments of their life. That person going through that horrible divorce, standing with them, caring for them, supporting them. That guy struggling with unemployment, standing with him, caring for him, supporting him. 
That person that just got the news, they're facing a terminal disease and they don't have long to live. Standing with that person in their deepest, darkest moments. That's what being a Christian is all about. That's your second purpose, fellowship. John 13, 35 says, your love for one another will show the entire world that you are my disciple. See, everyone in life has a, you go to different stores and they have uniforms. They wear red shirts or blue shirts or green aprons or or military uniforms. Your uniform as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, is your love for one another. Is your spiritual family as important to you as your physical family? Are you fulfilling the second purpose God created you for? Because guess what? We're going to be with each other for billions of years. One secular historian wrote about the Christians. As he watched the Christians being slaughtered and killed and tortured, this is what he said about the Christians. He said, behold how they love each other. Behold how they love each other. See, it changed the world. And why is this so important? Because can you imagine what would happen in our community if we as a church made this our DNA if we made this what we're famous for that that we lay down our lives for each other that we love each other so passionately we defend each other we die for each other literally if we had to can you imagine what would happen in this community if, if, if that became the DNA the culture of Coastline Church we'd have to lock the doors to keep people out of here There'd be no way to keep people away from this place because people are broken. They're hurting. They're longing for a family where there'll be people that will care for them, that'll love them, that'll go the extra mile, that'll defend them behind their back. See, that's my dream as a pastor. My dream is that this becomes our DNA. This becomes our culture. And we're on the road. We're we're, we're feeling it already. But can you imagine when this takes full effect in our church that we truly realize that we don't belong to ourselves, but according to the Bible, I belong to all of you and you belong to me and we belong to each other, that you have rights over my life, that I have a part to play, I have something to give and offer and you have something to give and offer. Can you imagine what this place would look like as we became family? Not just a church that we show up to on Sunday, but we really became family. Because again, you, you haven't gone to Coastline Church until you've been a part of a small group. This is just a weekend service. This isn't our church. This is just a weekend service. Our church happens in homes. Our church happens in small groups. Our church is fellowship and family. So I would encourage you today, if you are not part of a small group, talk to us. Come out to the table. We've got small groups all week long, nights, mornings, small groups for moms, small groups for men, women, married couples, small groups for teenagers. We want you to be a part of our family because we can't protect you. We can't care for you if we don't know what's going on. And if you're not in a small group, how are we going to know? How are we going to know? That's our desire for you, is to be family with you, to let you be a part of our family and go the extra mile for each other. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? In closing, some of you may be asking, what's the first step in the family? Well, 
With every eye closed, Galatians 3 says, verse 26, you are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. The first step is to have faith in Christ Jesus, to be born again, to be a Christian. To know that your soul is right with God. Because you're facing eternity somewhere. You choose. The fact is God has chosen every single one of you, but the people who will be part of his family, the people that will live with him forever in heaven are the ones that choose him back. God's not going to force you to make this choice. You can't inherit it. Just because your, your family is a Christian, you don't get it by inheritance. You get it by your free will choice. So if you don't know whether or not you're right with God this morning, you don't know the condition of your soul, you don't know whether or not God is first in your life. Is God number one? God cannot be number two in your life. He cannot be number three. God can only be number one in your life. If he's not number one, he's nothing. He's either Lord of all or he's not at all. God's not an accessory. He's not a handbag, not a wristwatch. God is either the driving force of your entire life or he's nothing at all. Because God will not take something in between. So if God's not number one in your life this morning and you need to make a decision, maybe you need to come back to him today. Maybe you need to make a decision for the first time, whatever situation you're in. I'm not going to single you out or embarrass you, ask you to come forward. All I'm going to ask you to do with every eye closed is raise your hand so that I can say a prayer for you. If that's you this morning and you need to make a decision for God, raise your hand right now so that I can see you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? process is simple. I want you to say a prayer to yourself. God can hear your thoughts. And I'm not going to give you the words. I want you to put it in your own words. But the first part of the prayer is you just invite God to take over. Say, God, I invite you this morning to take over my life. I give it to you. So in your own way, just surrender your life to God. second part of the prayer is you ask him to forgive you. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. None of us are good. So just say, God, forgive me. I need another chance. And then the last thing is just say, thank you. Just say, thank you. Now you can look up here. If you prayed that prayer today, I would encourage you on the connect card in your worship pack on your seat, there's a box on the back that says, I put God first in my life today. If you'll check that box, you can drop it off in one of our tithe and offering boxes in the back of the room. We want to connect with you and help you figure out what it means to walk out this decision. Also in our information table outside, there's these books that say, now what? A lot of people, when they make that decision, they ask the question, now what? This book will help you figure it out. Also, sign up to be water baptized. There's no more powerful. You realize Jesus put water baptism in the Great Commission with discipleship and evangelism. The only three things he mentioned in the Great Commission, go into all the world, make disciples, evangelize, and be water baptized. That's how important it was to Jesus. Be water baptized. Get re-baptized if you need to. Whatever you need to do. Join us today in about 15 minutes. I'll be in the Family Center teaching our 101 class. It's a great place to start. 
if you made that decision. Would you stand with me as we close this morning? Father, I thank you that you created us as a church to be a family, not a building, not an institution, not an organization, not an event, but you made us to be a family. You created us for fellowship. So I pray that people today will be challenged to get engaged in small groups, to begin fellowship in their life, to begin to to be the church, not just in their mind go to church, but they begin to become the church. That, Lord, our culture, our DNA at Coastline Church will be people that will lay down their life for each other. By this, all men will know you are my disciples. You are my church. Your love for one another, let that be said about us. Let that be a hallmark of our culture and our DNA. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I'm excited about uh, your small group this week. It's going to be a good one. And your daily devotional is going to be awesome this week. We will see you next week for week four.